0: This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. So, I know I always say that I'm super excited about my guests, but today it's kind of a different level. (laughs) <laughs> Holly. Uh, <laughs> welcome, Holly. It's so good to have you here. Hey. I know. <laughs> um, Holly- it's funny.
1: We've known each other. For- oh, sorry. You- I'm sorry. You go.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's just so awesome. Um, yeah. Like just since the very, very beginning of time, I think Holly, your blog, this is Holly Glenn Whitaker, founder of Hip Sobriety and uh, if you haven't gone to hipsobriety.com and read her writing, it's it gives me chills. It's, it's some of the best on the internet. I mean, truly phenomenal. And your blog was one of the first things I ever re- read. And then out of the blue, I was on my phone one night in bed, just feeling like uncertain about everything. I put this book into the world. I didn't know what I was doing. And you messaged me and you said, Hey, I love your book. And I probably could have fallen out of my bed. Like, I was like, you, you love my book. Oh my God. Like life is complete. It was amazing. But thank you for being well, here. Well, I was,
1: I remember that, like, I remember that exchange because I got your book. It was 2015. It was like, it came out October, 2015. Yep. And I was like, I had just left San Francisco I was living with my mom. And I remember getting, I remember Laura had forwarded it to me and it was just like the first time. Cause I got, I stopped drinking because of Alan Carr's book. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like an American woman writing like it, like writing these principles these concepts and backing it up with science and it was just I mean it was fantastic and then you said you knew who I was and I was like oh my god you know who I... I mean it was you know,
0: it was total <laughs> it was awesome we were like had a crush on each other. <laughs> um
1: yeah that was, we've been I know and we've been and we've been friends since then since 2015 I mean you you came on the show pretty early but we we were we started talking um soon thereafter so yeah it's it's really, it's an honor to be here. I'm excited. I listen to your podcast. I don't listen to many podcasts. I don't listen to my own podcast. Um, I love your podcast. Oh,
0: that's awesome. And, and, um, I love your podcast. I do listen to your podcast. Holly and Laura have the podcast home. So just H O M E. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. So if you haven't, haven't listened to that yet, but Holly, so what I wanted to do with you is just have you take us back and just tell sort of your story from, from the beginning. Like, where were you and, and what was life like when you were kind of still caught, caught up in it all? Um,
1: yeah, I've been, I'm writing a book right now. And so I've been kind of going back through all of that because it seems like so long ago, It'll, it'll, I stopped, I went to go see Gabby Bernstein talk last night. I saw her talk for the first time in January 2013 when I was trying to quit drinking, um, and it was just such a like full circle moment um, from where I was to where I am now. Um, but yeah, I, you know, my story is I started drinking when I was 15. I, you know, I I never had like a terribly off the rails relationship with it. I drank, you know, I binge drank. I was in, you know, I was in that like 30% pool of people that are excessive binge drinkers. And I, 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 you know, I had, I I thought it was this necessary part of life or like we, I think we all do. Like we, like we're supposed to be able to tolerate this thing. And I had, you know, in 2010, 2000, in 2010, I I broke up with the person I thought I was going to marry. And, um, and that was a, a shock to the system. I threw myself into my work. I got in a relationship with someone that was above me at work. And, um, I just, when I threw my, when I lost this like anchoring thing, this anchoring hope, you know, I was, I was 30. I was, I lost this anchoring hope that I was going to have a family. And, um, and I just threw myself into the one thing I was really good at, which was, you know, my, my profession, my career. And I, you know, and then I, when I started dating somebody that I was, you know, that, that I, that was involved in that whole work thing. And, um i just i lost myself i had i i had lost myself from a really young age i had never felt comfortable in my skin i had you know i had had i'd had an eating disorder since i was very young and you know i just but it was this period of time where i just had this i had a and i had unhealthy coping mechanisms and i just didn't know what the fucking point. Oh, sorry. Can I cuss on this? Yeah, sorry. Course. I didn't know what <laughs> the point of I don't know anymore. Um, I didn't know what the point was of life I didn't understand why I was here and I just thought it was I was going through the motions and for me It was just the idea of like I was looking for I mean I my drinking got so out of control because I I was working nonstop. stop. I mean all I did was work and I I would come home and I would I would drink, you know, well, in the evenings and smoke pot and, and smoke spliffs in the evenings. And I would do that until I I couldn't turn myself off. I didn't know how to stop like the chaos. And I would do that until I, I incapacitated myself. And then I would go to sleep and I'd wake up and I'd start over. And it was this very sick, stuck groundhog day. And I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know how to get out of it. And for me, it was, you know, I mean, I, I went to Costa Rica in 2000 and um 12 in the summer of 2012. And I just remember it was in Bocas del Toro in Panama. And I remember running into this girl that was from Texas that had like fled and like lived on an island and had kids with, with a guy from, from Panama. And I was like, that's the way out, you know, like just stay here. And, and, and like, uh, you know, I was looking for outs and I, I was getting sicker and sicker. My drinking was so, I mean, it was, it was like, it was everything. It was my eating disorder, my drinking, my um, you know, my, my pot, I, I was severely addicted to pot. I, you know, I had shopping stuff. I was like, you know, six figures in debt. It was just like a shit show and I didn't know how to stop it and how to get out of it. And I had this, um, this moment in, in 2012 where I, I hit you know, I mean, I, I had this very like quintessential moment, like where I, I hit the, hit my knees and was just like, please make this stop. I mean, it was, I was in such pain. And I didn't know how to stop it and how to get out of it. Um, And and a lot of that is also because I, I didn't know how to keep my life and get out of it. Like, I didn't know how, like, there was too much to, like, how do you give this up? Like, it felt like if I were to actually, you know, get rid of the things that were killing me, I would have to also get rid of my life. And, you know, like, it's just this whole thing that you don't know how to get yourself out of. And I had this moment where I just, I woke up and I was, I was so sick and I just, I, Screamed for help, and then a couple of days later, I was in a conversation with a friend of mine. I worked in healthcare, and I had a lot of friends that were doctors. And he was, we were just having this random conversation while I was, I was babysitting his kids. He was about to leave, and he tells me something about a, a man we have not we know in common. And he mentions something, you know, borderline personality disorder comes up, and I go online and I take this quiz about you know, whether or not I have borderline personality disorder, like the hair stood up on my neck, you know, it's just like, I knew that there was something in those words. Like it was just, there was a charge there and like a key. And when I took this quiz, I was like eight out of nine for the the markers for borderline personality disorder, which I didn't have. It's just borderline, it's it, like borderline personality disorder mimics a lot of the stuff that addiction, um, you know, fuels and so behaviors, addiction fuels. And so, But it was just this in and I, that was when I started reading Alan Carr's book, The Easy Way to Control, um, The Easy Way to Control Alcohol. And I had this, you know, over the next two weeks, I just had this, I read it, you know, furiously. And then I had, you know, a a weekend event where I just, I, I, I was out with a friend and I was, you know, in 32, 33. And it was just like, I can't do that. Like, this is such, this is no way to live and reading Alan's book, which is similar to yours, but not exactly, but it has a lot of the same concepts, which is like, this is ridiculous. Like the only way to, you know, like you say, like, you know, you have as much as you want to drink, you don't, you know, like you don't want to drink, you know? And like, for me, I never thought I would be able to get back to that point where I was, before I stopped, I just thought like, if I had only known when I started drinking, what I would have to keep up. Mm-hmm. And there's no way out of this. There's no way to get back to that place because I know too much, and I, you know, and drinking is so, in, in, you know, I'm so invested in in this life that, and you know, I lived in San Francisco, all my relationships, all of my social, all my work, all my, you know, everything was everything involved alcohol, and I just didn't know how to stop it. And there was such a mind shift from that. And I went to a wedding, and I had gone out the night. I went home to to my my, my hometown to a wedding, and I'd been out the night before, and I was red and bloated and i ran into this guy that i used to that was a that was a you know a guy that i had a thing with in high school and um i looked like shit and i felt like shit and i um out like i was drinking it was hot i was hungover and you know like when you like have like when you're hungover and you have that like bloated um, like the edema from it and like the red, like I I had, I was very, like alcohol would affect me. And I remember drinking wine and getting hot from it immediately and like having the red flush and feeling, you know, fat and disgusting and so sick of it. And so I finished the book on, on the way back to San Francisco. And I just had this like major, by the time I got off the train in San Francisco, I was like, I, it was a, it was a Monday, I want to say. And I drank during a work day. I was like on my way back to the city. I had my last drink on a train and um, I, and that night we had a work event and I just, I showed up back to San Francisco and I was just like, I'm done with this. And, um, and it was, you know, I, I mean, and there was such a mind shift in it that I was done with it. I, I just was like, I don't have to do this. I went out that night and I did the, all the things on car says, which is like, go out to the social events. And like prove that, you know, and like and and it was so liberating to go and watch everyone get shit based and to drink, you know, a ton of Diet Coke and to tell people, yeah, I'm not going to drink anymore. And to watch reactions because you don't know, you don't realize how many people have the same painful relationship with alcohol, even though on the outside it doesn't look like they do when people are like, wait a minute, you're just doing that. It's a that's a thing, you know. It was just so it was so eye opening, and I skipped home. I called my mom, and I was like, I didn't drink tonight, and it was great. And um, and I'm not going to drink anymore. And you know, and that lasted for two months. And I I drank again, and then I I had to go through the motions of a of, of, of a severe recovery. You know, I mean, I, I I invested my my life into recovering from from alcohol addiction and pot addiction and food addiction and. You know, I mean, it was, but, um, but that first key point was just this realization that your work is, you know, you so, you so, you know, eloquently and profoundly, um, uh, uncovering your work, which is that we don't need this. Like we don't actually
0: have to do this thing. And, and it's, it's so cool because so your story, you know, two months and just cold turkey and you were super happy, you were elated, you were thrilled, you know, I don't think, did you have many withdrawal symptoms or anything? No,
1: I didn't. I mean, there were nights that I went out and I had a shitty night, you know, because it was like walking through my life and everyone, you know what I mean? Like I remember I was, but I was trying to prove something to myself, which was that I could still go out and have fun and, um, and not drink. But like, like Alan Carr says, like, you know, like it uncovers what you were drinking to make fun. You know, that's just really boring. Right. And so like that was a little painful, like going out and being I would stay out till three and I was like, My God, I can stay out till three with everybody. But I was like, Oh, I don't like these people, you know, yeah. and this isn't fun. <laughs> yeah. Um and I, you know, I just started I found an inner world that I had, you know, that I had forgotten. I also just I found like, I mean, I don't know. It was, you know, it like all of this stuff. I mean, alcohol is a numbing agent and it helps us to escape and manage our lives. You know, it serves a purpose. Like we don't use it. You know, we're not stupid for using it. We're incredibly intelligent for, for using a tool that we think works without really realizing all the consequences on the back end of it. And what I found was when I removed it, you know, I just was faced and left with all of my, you know, like I had stopped processing stuff. I had stopped processing pain. I had stopped processing so many different levels of my life. And that came full force. And that was, you know, I mean, that was like, that's the, that's the work, right. As you remove this thing that's like stunting you and keeping you from experiencing, you know, life. But I mean, my life started like, that was when my life started. Like, I don't remember how, I, I don't know how I made it through that long living the way I was living. Um,
0: and I think that's, what's so cool about your drugs work, is that you, <laughs> So then you've made this your life's work and, and your work, what is so amazing about it is like, yeah, sure, there's there's the alcohol component. There's the fact, you know, it's addictive, whatever. But but that can be relatively easy to shift your thinking about. Boom, all of a sudden you're faced with uh you've been using this one coping tool, or maybe a few with, you know, pot and alcohol and whatever else, but then all of a sudden you're you're there in the middle of it. And you don't have those yeah. tools. And by the way, you haven't been able to, you haven't just learned the skills to just manage life in, in all of life's ups and downs and emotions and thoughts and everything else. And so your work, I think, is so profound and important because your school helps people learn those skills, you know, it starts from, yeah. okay, hey, then, then what can this look like? Like, how can I do this? without my numbing agent because I think that's what happens is you quit and that's great. And it's amazing. But then all of a sudden there's something to numb and you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to get through it. You don't know how to face it.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, you have to grow up and you have to do all
1: these things that you've never had to do without alcohol. You know I mean? Like, like just like having, you know, we had that, we had that one talk that one time, um, for something that we did where it was uh, about having sex for the first time, you know, like I hadn't really, I hadn't gone on dates without using alcohol you know I and like there so there's the part of it where you have to learn how to get through life without this to do these things that you didn't think you could do you know like like it there's it's such a dynamic process and like I somebody was somebody was asking the other day about how just like how some somebody asked her why she wasn't drinking and she, well, she went out with an old drinking buddy and he was and and the first couple times she didn't, I had drink, you know, it was fine. And then the third time and the fourth time he was like, finally just like, tell me about this. Why are you not drinking? You know? And she felt like she owed him a story. And we were just even that simple, like just even that like small event where she like, she was in a situation with somebody where she felt she owed him a story. And, and we were talking about it and I was just like, the beauty of this is you start to learn like the depths of, 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 of your boundaries and the depths of how you can, like that you have, that you have authority over your life, that you can actually tell people, I'm not going to tell you that. Like you can actually create, like you, you don't have to actually, like you allow yourself by giving yourself this like access to these deeper parts of yourself. You can, you get through life by doing things that most people don't have to do, right? Like you get to experience these things and, and I don't experience that anymore. Nobody, nobody, I've not been in a situation where somebody asked me something I didn't want to tell them. And I felt compelled to tell them in a really long time. And, and that's because, you know, this, it removed this thing that was keeping me stuck in a, in a really weak pattern. You know, this is like, um, anyway, yeah. Wow, it's
0: so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. Um, <clears throat> so then, you know, you started doing some of the the work to really, you know, deal with and face life? And, and what did that look like? Like, what were some of the main things that you used? What were some of your main tools?
1: Yeah, when I started drinking again in December of 2012, when I after I thought I'd quit, and then I, st- I, I was like, Oh, I'm just gonna drink at this one thing. And, you know, part of the work is like, you know, not questioning whether or not you made the right decision about it, we get really, you know, messed up by cognitive dissonance around this. Um, and I got back into that place of cognitive dissonance. And and so for me, it was just, um, and it was severely, it was very defeating to, to when you start drinking again, after you've stopped, it's a very scary thing. Um, and so I, I started doing, I started working just on the things that were, you know, the stuff that, that lies underneath, right? Like the root cause of, of why we have to reach outside of ourselves And, one of the first things I did was I read this book called May Cause Miracles by Gabby Bernstein. And um, that landed on on New Year's Day and, uh, of 2013. And I started to do, like, repattern my relationship. I, like, started to, like, actually stare my fear in its face. I started to do a fear inventory and figure out the stuff that was really creeping me out and, and keeping me stuck. And that was some of the work I, that led me to A Course in Miracles. So there was, like, a spiritual component to this. Like, I started going to church. I started to, like there was a reconnection to this deeper part of me that I had cut off for so long, right? And um so that was part of it. I also started a meditation practice. I, I found I was doing I started with guided meditations, but I started doing um kundalini in late January of 2013. Um, I was hungover in New York city and I found a Kundalini class and that was the, I mean, from the moment I went, it was just, it changed everything. And I, I, you know, I started practicing that daily and Kundalini is a very dynamic, um, uh, yoga and meditation practice that like helps you to like balance out your, I mean, it just was, it was a, it, it changed everything for me. I up to become an instructor. Um, so that was one, I started going to a therapist. I mean, I would, I like threw the book at it. I had been sick and miserable for long enough and I just wasn't going to, I wasn't going to settle for that anymore. And I would have done, I would have done, and I did do anything to, to take me out of that. Um, and I wanted to stop drinking. Like, it was funny because I was terrified that, you know, prior to, you know, reading Alan's work, I, I was terrified to, Quit drinking. I didn't. I was trying. I bought his book because it's called "The Easy Way to Control Alcohol," and I was like, "I just need to control it better," you know. And then I got to this point where I was like, "Oh my god, I don't want to do this thing." And that wanting and that desire um, of like just and, and having that taste of freedom of being able to like live your life and not have to you know think about you know, all like, am I going to drink tonight? Am I not going to drink tonight? Am I going to drink this weekend? How much did I drink? Did I say something stupid when I drank? Did it, you know, like, what is drinking doing to me? Like, do I have an addiction to drinking and all the stuff that comes with it? Like having that freedom from it was so liberating. Um, and I just, I wanted so desperately to not drink. Um, I really did. And so it was just, I mean, I threw the book at it. I was just like, I mean, you know, when my friends were out, you know, being normal 30 something year olds or, you know, getting married or having kids or doing, you know, that stuff, I was at home in my studio apartment, you know, listening to like, you know, spa music and chanting music and, you know, wrapping turbans around my head and chanting and, um, like reading the Bible. And like, you know, I was, I, I, I did everything that I could in my power to just, um, to not be sick anymore. That's awesome. There's like there, I literally did, you know, I mean hundreds of things to, to change it and to
0: shift it, to fix it. And then you put it all together into this amazing school that you have taken yes. what, thousands of people through now. Uh, we just, we've got about, I think, 1,200 people have been through it at this point. So, yeah. So amazing. So amazing. And yeah. so you really took everything that you learned because I think you're very much like me where you see a problem and you're like, I'm going to learn everything about this problem and then I'm going to take all this information and synthesize it (laughs) so that the next person doesn't have to learn everything, but they can just know the important things.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I didn't, I was so alone in what I was going through. I, the only two people I knew when I stopped drinking were men and they were men that had used AA and they were very different than I was. And I didn't, I mean, I tried AA, but it was not for me. And I just, there was something, I also worked in healthcare and I also was in, you know, not only did I work in healthcare, my job was, I was a driver, director of revenue cycle management and which meant I was reading insurance contracts and figuring out like the future of healthcare and, and how, how, you know, physicians are going to get paid. And it was just, you know, what I saw was, you know, what I saw was a future where I saw, what I saw was a system that, that, that systematically missed people like me and was unable to treat people like me. And that was what my profession was, was, I, you know, I felt like I was in a system that would never help someone like me. And I was also, you know, so it was just like professionally, it was just a, you know, I, I I couldn't use healthcare to help myself when I was almost dying. You know, like it was just such a black and white thing. Like I can't, my insurance card does not work. It barely worked for a shitty therapist. I had one therapist. I found a therapist in network that didn't even, that I had to go out of network to like actually use, you know, to find a good therapist that could deal with me. Um, and so it was just this, like this horrific realization that what I was building and investing all of my time in, you know, was, was was set up in a way where women like me wouldn't actually get help. And that uh, the resources that were set in motion to help me, first of all, they promoted anonymity and they promoted labeling and and all sorts of things that didn't feel good for me and, um, and kept me from finding other people. And and not only that, like beyond that, I, you know, I lived in San Francisco and I was like, I mean, I used to go to this place called the melt because I loved like the, the customer experience I would get and how I would, you know, and, and I loved going to coffee. Like I, I was so, I paid so much money for experience and, um, and here I was and my experience in this process was just crap. You know, it was just like the bottom of the barrel, like you're dying and you're referred out to, you know, to, 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 to systems that, that, you know, either you can't afford or what is free, you know, is, is not really designed to, to, um, to inspire, you know? I mean, you can find inspiration in the rooms for sure, but like the experience of it is you're, you go down in the basement, you know? And so for me, it was just this, there was such a, like, there was such a conflict of like, what existed and, and what I wanted. And I never wanted some, I never wanted somebody like me, you know, like to go through, I I didn't want the next girl to go through what I went through by herself. Um, and, and not only that, there was just such obvious things that worked like the repatterning of, of our subconscious like that. Why weren't we talking about that? You know? And, and like the, you know, like the, the fact that like, you know, using, chant like sound therapy and acupuncture and like all of these like all these things that I had found I had found so many things I'd researched the hell out of it and so the school came about by um by I left my job and I just wanted to figure out how I could actually like systematically teach people you know how I could codify what it had worked for me um and I did that by discovering like you know by I, I couldn't figure out how to what had like how it had worked and then um John Dupuy's work, Integral Recovery, like he took um, uh, Integral Life Practice, which is like a derivative of Ken Wilber's um, integral theory, um, and had put this, had taken Integral Life Practice and and basically, you know, um, appropriated it for recovery. And then when I read his book in 2014, I was like, oh, like, this is what, this is what happened to me. I, I, I did, you know, I did something that was holistic, um, versus, you know, like typically, you know, like just reading Alan Carr's book was, wasn't holistic, you know, just, you know, going to AA wasn't holistic. Um, you know, I had somehow managed to like expose myself to a holistic way to heal myself. And, and it works because I was addressing every aspect of
0: my life. Oh, that's so awesome. So, yes. Yeah, so that's what the school is. So since we're on the school, if people are interested, where can they find the school
1: right now? I mean, we're in the middle of doing all sorts of stuff to kind of, but right now they can just go to hip sobriety school, um, or no, the hip sobriety dot com. Or they can go to my my website hipsobriety.com, dot com, um, and they can. There's actually like a little a tab for for school. Um, but yeah, we're I mean we're in a process. Like it's I I have it has been a small operation that I've done three times a year for the last couple of years. Um, you know, with a limited number of students, and it's now something that we're expanding and that we're. Um, uh, so yeah, so there's, there's a lot of cool stuff that's coming up for it, but right now it still can be found at, uh, dot com.
0: Well, it gives me chills. Like I'm so, I'm so excited about the expansion and everything. I mean, it's just, it's just awesome. Your work is so important. I have so many people who, you know, they, they find us together one way or another and, and then they tell me stories yeah, about I your know. school and, and what they, um, what they did through it and, and how it was the missing piece. And I mean, it's just, it's just so inspiring. All right. I have two more questions for you. Your school
1: is the, or your book is the number one recommended reading, um, in the school. (laughs) That's so awesome. Like literally. (laughs) That's so cool. It's number one.
0: (laughs) Um, okay. Two more questions for you. First of all, one of your favorite blog posts is I'm not an alcoholic because nobody, one of my favorite blog posts of yours is I'm not an alcoholic because nobody is. And um, can you just talk about that a little bit? Like what, when you wrote that, I mean, it's, it's such a beautiful piece of writing that I just love and it gave me so much hope and yeah, I'd love to just hear it from you.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was like one of the things that was one of the hardest um, realizations to come to. I mean, when I read, you know, Alan's book, I was, I was just like, oh, like there is no, we have this, like this, bl- this binary view of what drinking, a drinking problem is. You're either an alcoholic or you're a normal drinker. And the spectrum of normal drinker, you you know, like includes people that, you know, are, are, are addicted. <laughs> and so it's just, there is this like binary thing and what it's so prevent, like it was, it was such a stumbling block for me. Like if I had known that I could have a drinking problem, you know, years and years ago that like that that wasn't normal. We've normalized, you know, problematic drug use. Um, we've, we've, you know, cause we've normalized drug use. You know, alcohol is, is a normal, it's a drug. It's one of the most dangerous drugs and it's normalized and not only normalized, it's promoted. Like we think it's just so normal to drink. Um, and I ended up taking on, when I stopped drinking the second time, I did use, I did identify as an alcoholic, um, and it never felt good. And I ended up ditching the label and, I think there was just, for me, it was such a, there's, there's so much and like this five years ago and a lot has changed in five years, you know, like a lot has changed in five years five years ago, there was the only people were like, that were talking about the fact that, that maybe nobody should be drinking was, you know, like Jason Vale and Craig Beck and, and Alan Carr, you know, like I think all three white English dudes. And it was just such a, I wrote it because I felt that, you know, this is before your book, before I read your book, I wrote it because there was just, nobody was saying it. And it was, I mean, and it, I got shit for that. I mean, if you can imagine um, the kind of letters I got for, for that. And, you know, some people really love the label alcoholic and they really fight for that label. And I like to each our own in this, you know, but like I. I put it out there because I wanted people to consider that remove that, just remove that noise for just a second. Can we remove that polarization? And can we actually talk about what's really happening? Like what is really happening with our relationship with alcohol? Because we're not doing that. We're not actually having an honest conversation about our own drug use, right? We're, we're, we're shipping it off and we're giving it to a group of people who will do the work and who will identify, like who, who have done the work and will, and will, and are willing to do that. And by doing that, what we're doing is basically setting up a society that, where we don't address, uh, you know, the fourth leading cause of, of preventable death, um, until people are, you know, have multiple DUIs or who's, you know, like the qualifiers for this, like people are, are falling off the cliff and then getting help. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, we're not looking at this where it really needs to be looked at, which is, which is at the beginning of it, right? Which is at the beginning of it. And all of us should be able to, all of us should be able to have a conversation about our drug use, right? Without, like we should the be label. able to have a conversation without the fucking label and without the stigma and without the fear. But we can't do that because there's so much, there's so much baggage wrapped up into that. And and not only for people that are in AA, but for everybody, because AA has been the, like, it has been the way that we understand addiction in America. I did not need to go to an AA meeting to understand what an alcoholic was through my own mind. It's portrayed to us. It's fed to us. And, and we all live by this code. Um, and so it's just kind of disrupt, like taking some of the, removing the noise so we can have the conversation about what's actually happening.
0: What, one of the things in that article that I loved is you compare it to like, it, it, we are doing the same thing to people who need help with their drinking, you know, we're we're almost necessitating this rock bottom, but we're doing the same thing as if you were having problems with you know, you're obese and you walked into a doctor's office and they said, Well, we can't really do anything for you. You know, you, you gotta come back when you need kind of bypass surgery or you need your
1: <laughs> like And are you waiting for like until you have a heart attack before you start addressing any sort of heart issues? Like we're waiting there's no concept of pre addiction. We're we'll waiting until people are sick as sick can be before we actually offer them any sort of, you know, any sort of help with it. And I mean, I I've, you know, I've, I've talked to how many, you know, thousands of people at this point. Like, I know what happens. Like, in therapy offices, I have, you know, clients of mine who've had therapists convince them they don't have a drinking problem when they're self-selecting and saying something's not right here. No, 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 you know, and doctors do that as well. And it's just this thing that we're not willing to like I'm willing to say like, you know, like do what you want to do. Like, I believe in decriminalization I believe in legalization of all substances. Like, I'm not a prohibitionist. Like, do what you're going to do, but at least do it with the knowing fact that this is actually something that is a, it's a poison. It's a neurotoxin. It's a, you know, and, like, at least let's, like, let's talk about that we don't, we need to be drinking, like, we need to be smoking cigarettes, you know? That I mean, that's how I feel.
0: Well, I think, like, <laughs> if you were going to go jump out of an airplane, you would have a conversation about your parachute and make sure it was, you know, but we do this thing and I know I did it for years and years and years without any knowledge of the fact. Like, I literally did not realize alcohol was addictive. I didn't think that I could become addicted to it because I knew people who were alcoholics and I was actually told by someone who told me she was an alcoholic that I wasn't one. And so... Yeah, I remember it that. It didn't matter how much pain I was in. Like
1: five years, right? Five like years. five years before you stopped drinking, one of your friends said, oh, no, 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 you're not an alcoholic. When you were willing to have that conversation and because of that, right? Yep.
0: Like, I, you know. I was like, well, what about me? Because she got sober with A and I was like, we drink together. It's the same. And just, No, no, it's not the same. I'm different. I'm, you're, I was born this way. And um, just really quickly because I think you're going to – Appreciate this, but um, you know, one of the things I refer to a lot because it's what we have, right? We have the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. This is the actual definition of the disorder, and it's called Alcohol Use Disorder. And these are the 11 questions, blah, 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 blah. And um, one of the things that I, I've said it before, but I find absolutely fascinating about is that two of the 11 questions are these um, Do you need to drink more than you used to to get the same effect? And have you had moments when you have drank more than you intended? and if you look at everybody you know everybody fits that kind of mild there so just to bring it into like okay this isn't just holly's opinion that you know there isn't this dichotomy like this is the reality that according to our you know huge diagnostic manual there isn't this dichotomy and i i had said that interesting and this is just just to say how deep this is how deep this stuff is ingrained I had said that on a podcast or something, and one of the comments below is like, Al- or, um, so alcohol use disorder, AUD. He's like, AUD is bullshit. It's actually alcoholic using denial. So basically saying <laughs> that the entire you know statistical manual is crap, and no, no, I'm just an alcoholic, and I'm just denying my problem. And so, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to get upset about that, but it just shows you how entrenched this idea yeah. is right? It's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I went to a, a dinner the other night, a mental health dinner and it was put on by a, a, a group, like a group of functional medicine doctors, like doctors that actually, do you understand You know what functional medicine yeah. is? Yeah. And um, I walked in and one of the doctors who was hosting it offered me a glass of wine. She was like, do you want something to drink? And I was like, yeah, I have a glass of water. And she goes, oh, like she was like, she made some quip about like, how like, I was warming up to drink my wine and, and everyone was drinking there. And like, this is in San Francisco at a mental health dinner, a dinner like, focused on talking about mental health. And, um, and she's a functional medicine doctor and she's drinking and she makes some thing because she can't imagine that I don't drink. And, um, and I said, oh, I don't drink. She was, oh, oh okay. Like, you know, and it was just like, it's, I think like, one of the things I think is so interesting is people that are listening to this, most likely, like we've been indoctrinated into this like other way of thinking. And what we don't realize what I forget so often when I go out into the real world, because like, oh, like most of my friends don't drink or they're so you know, or like, whatever, um, is that it's so it's, we're so we're, we are so outdated in our understanding and our, our like of what it is. And, and uh, anyway, sorry. okay, last mm-hmm. question. Last didn't question. Didn't
0: yeah, want. I've kept you on a long time. But my last question, I ask it, um what would you tell holly of you know i don't know what year it was the 2010 2012 the holly that was stuck about what life is like on the other side
1: oh god i don't know i mean that's so like i'd tell her so much Um, you know, I think I would probably tell her that she had to go through what she had to go through. And I think like, like, that's one of the most important things that like to understand there's so much regret and so much like, I would say like there can be, and I have no regret. Um, but I would say like, you have to kind of go through this to get to the other side and like, meaning whatever we have to go through, whatever that is that we have to go through to arrive at the point where we can actually have an honest conversation about it. Um, but I would, you know, I mean, I would tell her like one of my favorite things is a quote by Mastin Kip, which is live how other people live the way other people won't, So you can live the way other people can't. And, you know, and I just tell her, you do this one thing and you can have everything you want. Like you, you learn how to do this and the world is yours. Right. And, and that's, you know, and that's proven itself true. Yeah. That's
0: so cool. That's so cool. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Holly. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming on. And yeah, it's such a pleasure. you. <laughs> yeah I love talking to you, I'm yeah, talking to you forever. Too. I know too short always too short All right, have a All great right. day you too. this has been Annie Grace with this Naked Mind podcast thank you so much for listening you can learn more at thisnakedmind.com and please remember to rate review and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word